This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Let's take our Bibles, go to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. I began last Sunday morning in the book of Deuteronomy, a message that I have preached here some a few weeks ago on a Wednesday evening to our young people. And as I prayed about that further, I wanted to develop it further. And so I'm preaching a series of messages. And uh, the title of the message last week was that it may go well with thee that it may go well with thee. Deuteronomy chapter number 4 and verse number 40, the Bible says, Thou shalt keep therefore his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day, that it may go well with thee. I want to tell you something. God desires that it goes well with you. And Satan desires that it goes wrong with you. But God wants for your life, he wants it, to go well with you and how is it that it can go well with us well I'm glad that we can know and we looked last week at the revelation that God gives us he spoke to us in his word we praise God that he spoke to us and not only did he speak to us but he saved us by his mighty power and we rejoice in the fact that we know the Lord and so he's revealed himself to us and then we saw not only revelation but we saw relationship the fact that God desires to instruct us. And why does he desire to instruct us? Because he loves us. And because he loves us, he has chosen us. And so we thought about the relationship that we have with God. God desires to have a relationship with us. He's revealed himself for the purpose that, he might, uh, that we might enjoy a relationship with him. And then as we respond to him in faith, then the Bible tells us that it will go well with us. Oh, we live in a world that's it's not going well, right? If you watch the news this week, you know it's not going well. In fact, we would say it's going wrong for a lot of people. But friend, if you want it to go well in your life, then we have to be obedient to God. And so we're looking at seven Old Testament characters who, whose lives demonstrate and illustrate this truth that if we're obedient to God, it will go well with us. This morning, we're looking at the life of Moses. And Moses is the human penman of the book of Deuteronomy. He is the one who taught Israel this principle that God desired that it would go well with them. And Moses could teach it with conviction because Moses lived a life uh, of choices that he had to make. As God revealed himself to Moses, Moses uh, therefore entered into a relationship with God and, and Moses responded to God in the right way. And because of that, God was able to bless the life of Moses and use Moses. Uh, think of what the Bible says of Moses. There's not a reason. Uh, there's no prophet in the Old Testament greater than Moses. And uh, he's the one that God used to deliver the children of Israel from Egyptian bondage. And uh, you'll find in the Congress, United States Congress, 
you'll find uh, opposite of the platform of the speaker, uh, you will find uh, a carving, an engraving of the face of Moses, who is known as the greatest lawgiver. And uh, friend, here we find this great lawgiver uh, in Deuteronomy 4 who has told the people of Israel that they're to learn from the mistakes of the past. They are to uh, obey God, and if they will obey God, it will go well with them. And he's speaking from experience. And I want us to note that this morning and see what experience he's speaking from. Would you go with me, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 24. Hebrews 11 and verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. As we're going to look at these seven characters in the Old Testament who made these critical decisions in the days of their youth, we're going to find, number one, that Moses refused to be identified with the world. That's the title of the message this morning, Moses refused to be identified with the world. Why did he make that choice? Because God desired that it would go well with him. Now, we notice in verse number 27, the Bible says, by faith he, would you say it with me, church? By faith he forsook Egypt. He turned his back on Egypt. He, he forsook it. Now, throughout the Scripture, Egypt is symbolic of the world in relation to the believer. Israel at one time was in bondage in Egypt. They were oppressed and they were afflicted. But God heard their cry and God sent Moses to deliver them uh, from bondage. He brought them out of Egypt and he was leading them and he did lead them. He finally led them into the land of Canaan, into the land of their inheritance, in the land of promise. And we find there uh, the symbolism of God who drew us as uh, unbelievers out of a world of sin, out of bondage to the devil, God by a mighty arm and, and by his strength and power delivered us from this world of sin, bringing us out and leading us on a journey to him and fellowship and communion with him, and ultimately we're going to be with him for all eternity. And so we praise God for that. And we see uh, this picture of Egypt as the world. Now, we understand that the children of Israel along the journey at different times would long for Egypt. They would get discouraged along the way. And uh, maybe they didn't have water. Or maybe they didn't have food. And uh, maybe they were troubled about different circumstances in their lives. And they would begin to murmur and complain, and they would begin to long for Egypt, to long for the world. And though we have been uh, delivered from sin. Though we are no longer citizens of this world, we are now children of heaven and children of God, there still is that old sin nature in us, and all it knows is the world, and all it longs for is the world. I want you to look with me in 1 John chapter number 2. If you'll turn just a few pages over in your Bible, you'll find 1 John chapter number 2. 
And we'll read in verse number 14, 1 John chapter number 2 and verse number 14. Now remember the subject this morning, Moses refused to be identified with the world. And because he made that choice, his life is going to go well. God is going to bless him. God is going to use him. I wonder what it is that you want for your life. I trust that you want God to use you, that you want God's blessings upon your life. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 14, John's writing, he says, I have written unto you fathers because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, notice the next two words, would you say them with me, young men. Who's he writing to? He's writing to fathers and he's writing secondly to young men. All right, now I want our young people to pay very uh, particular attention to this. He said, because you're strong and the word of God abideth in you and ye have overcome the wicked one. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, you have overcome the world by faith in Christ. You, you are in a battle, however, with the world and with the flesh and with the devil. And God wants your attention in your youth. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. I want to tell you, friend, the days of your youth are not days to just flitter around and, and, and to waste. They're not days just to, just to sow your oats and, and do your thing, and then you'll get serious about God one day. Oh, no, no. God says, in the days of your youth, remember me. And so we see he's writing to these young men. Notice in verse number 15, would you say the first word with me, church? Love not the world. Hey, Do you know why God told us that? Because we have a propensity in us to love the world. And so God is saying to his people, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Uh, If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Notice verse 16, for all that is in the world. Listen, this is it. This is the summary statement. This is all that the world has to offer you, all that is in the world. Number one, the lust of the flesh. Number two, the lust of the eyes. Number three, the pride of life. That's all the world has to offer you, those three things. Notice what the Bible says. Those things are not of the Father. That means they're not of God. But they are of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth how long? Forever. And so, friend, here we see that John, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is warning us uh, and commanding us not to love the world. Because as sinful creatures made from the dust of the ground, we have a natural attachment and a natural affection uh, for this world. It is all that we ever have known up until the day that we come by faith to Jesus and he saves us and he imparts everlasting life to us uh, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, and then makes us uh, not only by nature children of this world, but by supernatural work in our lives, children of heaven and citizens of a divine city. We see this portrayed for us in Ephesians chapter 2. I invite you to turn there with me. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus concerning their former condition and concerning their future inheritance. And that's very important for us to know because John reminds us here in 1 John that the world is passing away. And so we're not to love it. Why? Because it doesn't last. It's not lasting. And what is lasting? Well, that's heaven. That's our 
relationship with God. That's our, our citizenship with him. Notice in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, and you hath he, what's the word, church? Quickened. That means he's made you alive. That's what that word means. God has made you alive. He's given you life. That's what happened to you when you received the Lord Jesus as your Savior. The Holy Spirit came to dwell in you, and he quickened you. Now, how did he quicken you, or why did he quicken you? Why? Look at verse 1 again. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. Notice the world has a course. It has a pathway. And that pathway and that course has been laid out according to the prince of the power of the air. You know who that is? That's the devil. Uh, friend, what we find is the devil is the architect of this world. Now, God created this world, but Satan corrupted this world by introducing sin into this world. And Satan now is the god of this world, and therefore he's designed a pathway for people in this world to follow. And so uh, he is the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation. That, that means our manner of life. That means the way we live our lives. That had our conversation in time past. How did we live? Notice it, please. In the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Hey, friend, there is our sinful condition. We're bound to this world. But I'm thankful that in my sinful condition, there was the Savior's intervention. I'm glad that he came in, and he loved me, and he saved me. Notice it in verse 4. But God, oh, what a wonderful statement there. But God, in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of that depravity, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. I'm so glad that Jesus came and saved me. Even when we were dead, the Bible says, in sins, he hath quickened us, made us to live, uh, made us alive. He's quickened us together with Christ by grace you're saved and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm glad that I'm saved. I'm glad that I belong to God. I'm glad I'm on my way to heaven. Do you know that? Do you have that assurance in your soul today? You see, there are people walking according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and they're walking down a path that's going to lead them to eternal damnation in the lake of fire. But Jesus in love came to deliver us, to intervene for us, to give us everlasting life, and to make us citizens of heaven. I'm thankful for our Savior's intervention. But then we see here our spiritual transformation. Look, if you would, please, in verse number 13. But now in Christ Jesus. Oh, listen, something has happened to us if we know the Lord Jesus. Notice in verse 12, at that time, that's in the, the old time, the former time, before we got saved, ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. This language simply says to us, we were not citizens of heaven. Uh, we were strangers. And we were not part of the family of God. We were outsiders. But now that Jesus has come to us, verse 13, in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. We enjoy a spiritual transformation by the work of the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice in verse number 19, now therefore 
ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. I want to tell you, friend, I'm accepted. I belong. I'm a part of the family of God. What a wonderful joy. What a wonderful privilege. And I want to tell you something, young person. You don't belong to this world. You belong to Jesus by nature of his, um, his, his, his birth, the new birth that you've experienced, by nature of the salvation that you now enjoy. You belong to God. And John's reminding us of that, and Paul is reminding us of that because we got a problem. We love the world. And Moses had to deal with that problem too. Now, Eve dealt with that problem, by the way. You know who introduced that problem to her? Satan, the prince of the power of the air. Let me read Genesis 3 and verse 6. Are you listening carefully? And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Remember all that's in the world? The lust of the flesh. She saw that fruit. God said you can't eat it. You can eat everything else in this garden, but not this one. And she saw it was good for food. The lust of her flesh. With all the things God provided for, she still wanted something that God didn't provide for her. The lust of the flesh. It was good for food. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. Well, it looks good. It looks really good. In fact, it may be the best looking fruit in the garden. <laughs> it looks good. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. And then the Bible says in Genesis 3, verse 6, and a tree desired to make one wise. Because remember what the devil told her? If you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. You won't have to worship God. You'll be like God. You'll be a God to yourself. And she said, oh, I think that sounds pretty good. That'll make me wise. And so she chose to disobey God and follow her desire. And sin was introduced into her bloodstream. You see, Satan used the same tactics on Eve that he uses on us today. The lust of the flesh, it tastes good. The lust of the eyes, it looks good. And the pride of life, I'm going to be somebody. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. That's the only tactic the world has to offer you. And that's all it has to offer you. And notice what John said here. He said, it is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You want to pass away? Or do you want to abide forever? Now Moses is confronted with this choice as a young man. And the Bible said that Moses chose to forsake Egypt. He chose to forsake the world. And that's God's plan for your life. And why is that God's plan for your life? Because God wants to make you unhappy? No. That it may go well with you. And Satan says, hey, man, join in. Enjoy everything this world has to offer you. Look at this world. This is really what it's all about. And why does he say that to you? Not that it may go well with you, but that it may go wrong with you. And so we see that Moses has this dilemma. And so I want you to note some things, if you would, please. Number one, Moses forsook the fellowship of Egypt. He forsook the fellowship of Egypt. To have fellowship with something, you have to have something in common. 
Yet there's something in common. We are God's people. We've come together today to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. We can have fellowship with him because we've been redeemed by his blood. He's made peace with us through the blood of his cross. We're no longer at enmity against God, but now we are part of the family of God. We have fellowship with him. The Bible teaches that we have fellowship with the Son and the Father, and therefore we have fellowship one with another. We can come together and and fellowship together because we have something in common. We have Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God. We're a part of God's family, and so we have fellowship. And so the Bible tells me in verse 24, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. We know the story how that Moses was born in the time when the children were to be killed. That was the edict of Pharaoh. That was an evil, wicked edict. And let me tell you, we live in an evil, wicked day when people want to promote the death of children in the womb. And this is what's taking place in Egypt. And, and Moses' parents, uh, they, 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 uh, they were obedient to God, and, and they refused to kill their child, but they put him in a basket to hide him down by the river. And uh, here he is floating in the river, and Pharaoh's daughter and her maidens come to the river, and they find this basket. Maybe they heard the baby crying. I don't know. They opened the basket, and they saw the beautiful little face of Moses, and they said, this is a good-looking kid. And old Pharaoh's daughter's heart just melted, and she said, I'm going to take this one home. And Miriam, who was standing on the bank, she was watching. That was the sister of Moses. She was watching all along to see what would happen to that little baby in the basket. And she saw Pharaoh's daughter take him and say, I'm going to take him home. And Miriam said, I'll tell you what. I know a lady who can nurse him. Great, you go and get her for me, and I'm going to pay her to do it. Think of that, ladies. Not only did she get to take care of her child and nurse him, but she got paid for it. Wouldn't that be nice? And we know the story how that Moses grew up in Egypt. He was raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was trained up to be the future leader of Egypt. Hey, listen, listen. He went to the finest schools that Egypt had to offer. He walked among Egypt's elite. He was taken to worship Egypt's gods all the time, however. All the time. Are you listening to me? All the time he was out of place. He was never comfortable. He was never happy in Egypt. Why? He could not enjoy the pleasures of Egypt's sin. He he could not believe in Egypt's gods. Why? Because he was not the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was the son of Amram and Jochebed. He was the son of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He was not of this world. He was of another world. He didn't belong to this world. He belonged to Jesus. And friend, when you belong to Jesus, you can't live like the rest of the world. You can't be a part of this system of this world because God has saved you, and now your citizenship is in heaven. And so he chose to forsake the fellowship of Egypt. He said, do not call me the son of Pharaoh's daughter. No, no. Don't do such a thing. Now, notice when he made his decision. Are you listening, young people? Would you look at it again, verse 24? I want all you young people to read this with me. Verse 24, I'm going to stop, and I want you to read the next few words. Are you ready? By faith, Moses, read it with me, when he was come to years. Let's repeat that. My, My command must have been confusing, or you weren't listening. I'm not sure. Are you ready? By faith, Moses, here we go, when he was when he was come to years. 
I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? When he was come to years. That means when he was not a little boy, not just some awkward teenager, but he was starting to be a man, thinking of himself as a man. He, he was starting to grow up. He was starting to be his own guy. You know where many of you are? You're right there, coming to years. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I can't wait till I get out of the house. I can't wait till I'm free to make all my decisions. I'm come to years. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make money, blah, 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 blah. When you are come to years. While everybody in Egypt was saying that, you know what Moses said? He said, wait a minute. I can't do what I want, and I can't do what Egypt wants. I have to do what God wants when he was come to years. You young people who are in college, and those of you who are heading to college, you're coming to years. What are you going to do with your life? Are you going to listen to the world? Are you going to be carried away with the love of this world, or are you going to be obedient to God and love Jesus? You see, we face a great danger in our youth, and by the way, that danger never escapes us even as we grow older. When Paul told Timothy to flee youthful lusts, and Moses made the decision in his youth to forsake the fellowship of Egypt, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You know, God has called us into fellowship with his son. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful by whom you were called under the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God has called us into fellowship with him if we know him as Savior. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 14. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 that uh, we are not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As Paul is writing here, he's working really hard to get his point across, isn't he? He's saying to the church at Corinth, you are not a part of this world. You do not belong to this world, but you belong to God. Notice the words he uses again. What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? You see, we don't agree with them. We don't have a part with them. We're not in concord with them. We have no communion with them because we don't belong to them. We belong to Jesus. That's why you can never feel at home in this world. That's why you can never just be at ease in this world if you know God because you understand you belong to Jesus and you've got to live for him. Ephesians 5 and verse number 18, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. He says, Proving what is acceptable in the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. You see, we have no fellowship with this world, and therefore we are not to walk in fellowship with this world. We're not to walk in their darkness, but we're to reprove their darkness by the way that we live, by our separation from them unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we do that, do you know what happens? We shine light in the world. Do you know why the world hates people who believe the Bible? Because what we believe is offensive to them. And the way that we live our life, when we, when we refuse to run in the excess that they run in, 
when we refuse to accept the sinful things that they uh, try to cram down our throats, when we refuse to participate in the iniquities that they entice us to uh, participate in, when we do that, do you know what happens? God uses that to shine light into a dark world. But when we decide to participate, do you know what happens? We make them more comfortable in their darkness. And so we cannot have fellowship with Egypt. We must, by faith, forsake the fellowship of Egypt. Now, how did he do it? Verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So here's the trade-off. Uh, affliction with the people of God or the pleasures of sin for a season, which sounds better. Well, which sounds easier? Well, what's easier is not better, right? What may be enjoyable at the moment is not better. He said he chose to suffer affliction. He refused to be identified with the world. He refused uh, uh, to, to take part in the pleasures of sin, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It was only for a season. And not only did he uh, choose to forgo the pleasures of sin for a season, but he chose to embrace the suffering and affliction of Christ. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. You see, Paul had accomplishment. He was, he was respected. He was revered in the, in the religion of the Pharisees. Uh, he, was, he, had, he had risen to the top. He had fulfilled all his dreams and desires. But when he met Jesus, he gave it all up. He gave up what the world offered him and everything it could have offered him. He gladly gave it up for Jesus. Why? That he might win Christ. For what goal? Verse 10, that I may know him, that I may know him. He said, I'd rather fellowship with him. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. By any means, I may attain uh, to the resurrection of the dead. Do you know this? Before we can attain unto the resurrection of the dead, we have to be made conformable unto his death. Moses, you're going to give up all this? You're going to give up all this pleasure? You're going to give up all of this, young person? You're going to give up the world? You're going to give up all that the world has to offer you for Jesus? Yes. Why? Because I want to know him. Because I belong to him. And because there is no contentment, there is no joy in my life outside of him. And so Moses forsook the fellowship of Egypt. Let me give you the second thing. Moses forsook not only the fellowship of Egypt, but he forsook the fortune. Verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. He had respect under the recompense of the reward. In other words, you know what this means? It means Moses was no dummy. It means Moses was able to analyze the situation, to look at the equation and solve it. 
the pleasures of sin, identifying with Egypt, the treasures of Egypt. That's only for a moment, and it's going to pass away. The reproach of Christ, the fellowship with him, the suffering and affliction, that's only for a moment. But let me tell you what's everlasting. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Moses said, I, 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 I'm telling you, I've got to make a decision here. Hey, I've got to make a decision here. Am I going to live for the world, the flesh, and the devil, or am I going to live for God? And if I choose to live for God, I'm going to enjoy an eternity with him. I'm going to enjoy a life of blessing like I may have never known had I not turned to him. He forsook the fortune of Egypt. We live in a world that's carried away with wealth, don't we? Fame, success, and fortune, those are the three top gods of the day. Our temple, well, that's easy. Instagram, <laughs> Snapchat, Facebook. That's where we go to worship the gods of this day. Oh, and we like to be one, you know. How many followers, how many likes, all those things that we all get involved in. Those things that portray an image of the world and the success that people are living that make us unhappy with our lives, wishing we only had what they had. Those are deceitful gods. They're false gods. And many of us, many people, especially young people, are lured by the merchandisers of this world. Hey, do you know the son of Pharaoh's daughter had some money, right? Moses had it, guys. He had the finest chariot in town. I don't know. Could have been a Corvette. Could have been a Camaro. It could have been an F-150. That's what my choice was. But I forsook that for a forerunner. And I love it. Hey, it could have been any of those things. Money in the bank. All the designer clothes, the trips, the vacations, the parties. I mean, all those things that we look at, we say, wow. Wow, I wish I had that. Moses didn't have to wish he had it. He had it. And you know what he did with it? He walked away from it. He forsook the fortune of Egypt. His decision came down to this, riches or reproach. You know what the word reproach means? It means to revile, insult, or mock. You know, I think we're living in a day when Christian persecution is intensifying. But in this country, at least for now, it is mainly in the form of reproaches. Reviling, insulting, and mocking. And it's very effective, is it not? Because nobody wants to be insulted. Nobody wants to be reviled. Nobody wants to be mocked. But Moses embraced that, and he traded that for the riches of Egypt. He esteemed the reproach of Christ, greater riches. Borden of Yale. Uh, Borden, of course, is the, in line to inherit the company, the Borden Company, in the early part of the 19th century, or the latter part. And Borden decides, because God has saved him, that God is calling him to China as a missionary. And so Borden goes to Egypt for language school. He gets sick while he's there. Ultimately, 
He never made it to China. He died in Egypt. They found in his journal these words, no reserves. I'm going to Egypt to learn how to speak Chinese so I can go to China and reach the Chinese. No reserves. I'm giving up all my fortune because if I'm holding on to it, I'll be too tempted to turn back. No reserves. He wrote another word, no retreats. I'm not turning back. I'm not turning back. And then he wrote this word, no regrets. No regrets. I, I can tell you that as Moses stood in, in Deuteronomy chapter number 4 and he spoke to the children of Israel, he had no regrets that he walked away from Egypt. He had no regrets that he no longer enjoyed the treasures of Egypt because he had the treasures of heaven to look forward to. And I want to tell you, our young people uh, and, and our older people, <laughs> this is not discriminating, uh, discriminate dep depending upon your age, all people uh, in this world are conditioned to think about, hey, how much money am I going to make? What am I going to do with my life? Am I going to be comfortable? Am I going to have this? Am I going to have that? And let me tell you, you might get all of this and you might get all of that, but one day you're going to realize that all of this and all of that won't do a thing for you. It doesn't fulfill you. The only thing you need in this life is Jesus. And the Lord Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, everything that you think you need, all these things shall be added unto you. Now, friend, we either believe that or we don't. And may God help us to refuse the riches of this world. You know what the love of riches does for us? It chokes the word, Mark chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. It chokes the word of God and it makes it unfruitful in our lives. I noticed in, the, in, in my backyard the other day, this tree in my backyard kind of recedes down just a little bit into the woods. And I noticed this big tree, it looks dry. It looks really thin. And I'm wondering what happened to this big tree. And so my wife and I were out there working the other day, and, and uh, I, I just peered around and, and got a little further into the, into the woods, and, and I noticed there's a vine, a pretty vine. The leaves are pretty that has wrapped itself around that tree and it's worked up that tree. And do you know what that, that vine is doing? It's killing that tree. And, and do, you know what the love, do you know what the love of money does for us? Do you know what the pursuit of riches does for us? It, it, it chokes out our spiritual life. It chokes out the effect of the Word of God upon our lives. Now, friend, it's okay to have money, but it's not okay for money to have you. And I found this out. You don't have to have money for money to have you. I know people don't have any money, but money's got them because it's all they think about. It's all they talk about. It's the only thing on their mind is money. But, friend, if we'll just put Jesus on our mind, he's promised he'd take care of us, right? Your heavenly Father knows what you need. And, by the way, if you're a Christian and you have money, don't hold on to it like, you know, you, you can't ever do anything with it for God i got to do this for myself. i got to take care of this thing for myself. And what about this? Hey, we ought to give back to God what he's given to us. And God will bless you for it. That's another message for another day, right? Here's the last thing. Moses forsook the fellowship of Egypt. He's not a part of this world. I belong to God. 
He forsook the fortune of this Egypt. I'm not living for this world's goods. I'm living for eternity. I'm living for Jesus. Hey, here's the last one. He forsook the fear of Egypt. Notice it in verse 27. By faith, he forsook Egypt. Young people, give me the next two words. You ready? By faith, he forsook Egypt, not, not, not. When we get 100% participation in these rows right here, I'll move on. Are you ready? By faith he forsook Egypt, not, what is it? Boy, you guys are really quiet today. Not fearing. That's because they need Phil and Spencer in that section. Then they'd have the volume they would have been. Not fearing. Do you know what paralyzes us from moving forward in faith? It's fear. Proverbs 29 and verse 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Do you know that fear caused Saul and the men of Israel to tremble in Goliath's presence? Fear moved the masses to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's golden image. Fear kept those who would have believed on Jesus from exercising faith in Jesus because they were afraid they would be rejected and cast out of the synagogue. Fear caused the disciples to forsake Jesus when he was arrested and caused Peter to deny him three times. Fear was a concern that Paul addressed with Timothy, let me tell you, fear is a natural problem. It affects 100% of us. And Moses, when he said, I'm no, hey, listen, don't ever call me the son of Pharaoh's daughter again. He had to choose to get over the fear of the Pharaoh because Pharaoh could have put him to death. But he chose, he chose to exercise faith in the one who had the power to deliver him rather than bow down to the one who had the power to destroy him. He put his faith in God. And how do we overcome fear? We overcome it by faith. That's how we overcome. We overcome fear with faith. Psalm 118.6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? Paul said, if God be for us, who can be against us? Psalm 34, 4, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 56, 11, in God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Do you know what keeps us from serving God, many of us? You know what keeps many of you from serving the Lord? Right here, right here. You're worried about what somebody's going to say about you. You're not worried about being arrested and taken to prison. You're worried about what somebody's going to think about you. You know why we're afraid to witness to people, adults? Because we don't want anybody to think bad of us. We're, we're afraid they might be offended. We're afraid they might brand us a certain way. The fear of man bringeth a snare. What did Moses do? Moses refused to be identified with this world. How did he do it? He, ref he, he forsook the fellowship of Egypt. He forsook the fortune of Egypt, and he forsook the fear of Egypt. We're to forsake Egypt. Its pursuits, its plans, its pleasures, its people, its pride. And we're to follow Jesus, his pursuit, his plan, his presence, his people. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. 
If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.